Good evening. Good evening. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm waiting for my buddies to join me. And there's one. He's a little late, but he's close enough. It's on time for him. Indianas, how you doing, brother? You hear no. me? Okay? Yeah, no, I can't. Just, uh... okay, here we go. Uh, let me see here. Did I just do it right? All right, good deal. Okay, we're live. Welcome to another edition of Folks Talking Sports FPS, presented by the Houston Round Bar Review and sponsored by the Saxonian family. We are on YouTube, Facebook, and the Folks Talk Sports Twitter account. And Andy, you got to help me out, man. I got to do a better job of spreading the brand of our own FTS Twitter account. I need to add that and do a better job sending that so people can start following us and subscribing. Got to get updates on the shows and all that glorious stuff rather than just solely tweet how folks can interact with us specifically. You know, me <laughs> at the HRR Review and you, Ayanez. So let me do it. Folks Talk Sports, FTS on Twitter. So how, how are you ready for New Year's, New Year's Eve 2022 or anything like that? I mean, any special plans? Uh, we COVID wrapping a wrap, but uh, not really more like a low key, uh, a low key holiday. Um, what about you? I'm too old to do that stuff, Andy. So, yeah, no, no more of that stuff. Those days are over for me. Um, so let's talk because we got uh, Willie Gibson. Willie might be in mourning just a tad bit with the uh, Ricky Rubio news with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, Ricky Rubio, the Cavs, announced this afternoon that his injury from last night is a, a torn ACL in his left knee, so he'll be obviously out for the rest of this season. And then surgery, rehab, timetable now is nine months. Oh, Andy left. Nine months rather than what used to be a 12 to 18 months, but rather than just simply say, uh, I wish him a speedy recovery, I wish Ricky a healthy recovery. Not as speedy, want to take as much time as he needs to get back and get on the court. Disappointing for the Cavs because they've had a great season thus far. Um, been rolling one of the best teams in the East and one of the surprise teams in the entire NBA. So once again, just announcing what the Cleveland Cavaliers announced a few hours ago, about two, three hours ago, that uh, point guard Ricky Rubio, a veteran point guard Ricky Rubio, Tore, suffered a torn ACL in his left knee and will be out for the rest of the season. Bring Andy back in because the theme with Ricky Rubio's injury, we can tie it in with the injuries to the Houston Cougars men's basketball team. See that segue there? That's called being professional, Andy. Being professional <laughs> right there, that little segue. Well, what do you want to talk about first? We can talk about Jamon Mark and his his shoulder surgery last Wednesday, which was successful, or the news that has been reported and confirmed, but not yet announced with a surgery date for Marcus Sasser and his hairline fracture in his left foot. Both of them are out for the rest of the season. What are your thoughts? Uh, let's start with Tremont Mark, since this was first, and you know, it's something that we have been following, honestly, since uh, the first day of the I guess official practice that, that the Cougars had, I think it was October 1st, where um, I pointed out to you, it, it looked like Tremont Market to start the season had a different shooting form. Um, 
and whenever it was a red and white scrimmage, uh, we we asked Tremon Mark about it, and he said that yeah, it had been a shoulder and shoulder had been bothering him for a while now, and it forced him to change the way he shoots the ball. And throughout the season, he didn't play the first. I want to, I want to say three, two or three games mm-hmm. of the season. Um, came back. Uh, honestly, when it came to his pure shooting for me, you didn't really see him comfortable with shooting. Now he was still attacking and then dishing out to others. And then I, I think he re injured it against Alabama. And that was, that's pretty much the end of it. I remember uh, before they officially announced it, uh, it brought, Calvin Sampson brought it up. And he it, it sounded like he wasn't too optimistic about him returning. He said he's out. He had a pause and then said foreseeable future. Uh, lo and behold, a few days later, they announced that he had surgery and was going to miss the remainder of the season. Yeah, you and you and I talked about it. We saw the clips um, from practice that his shooting form had, was changed. You know, I, I think you and I both turned as broken because it was not as fluid as it was last season. And then you and James spoke to him after the red and white, got details specifically from Jamon, and then giving both of you a pat on the back. Y'all both cleared it with um, Houston SID Jeff Conrad before, you know, doing anything with it. Unlike other colleagues who just talked to you about players one-on-one and go ahead and put it out there, um, just trying to break a story. But I digress on that. Uh, protocol is one thing to some people and others mean something else to other people. But I'll say that for myself and I get you in trouble. But because um, you're, you're young in the business, I'm not. So I don't, I'm not really concerned about it what other people say about that protocol is protocol. But yeah, Tamon is out for the season now. Marcus Sasser, his injury to his left foot because I heard rumblings um, that he was out for the year before it leaked. And I thought it was the right foot because that was when we had the turf toe and, and he was having problems and, you know, ankle sprain and, and all those things. And then Find out that it's hairline fraction on the fifth metatarsal on his left foot. So he's not yet had surgery. It'll be sometime in January. He, uh, Coach Sampson confirmed that to us on, what was it, Monday this Monday. week? It's, 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 it's all run together now, especially with, we're going to get into more with the COVID. The holidays, COVID. All that there's stuff. N- yeah. There's nothing to use to, to guide you. you know, so, yeah, it, it, it's, all, it's all a blur. All a blur. But, um, I got to see what James comes on before I play. I got two clips from Coach Sampson from on Monday's media session. And I want to get the thoughts right off the top of your head. What are your expectations for the men's basketball team as is mm. for the rest of the season? That's a tough one. I, I remember I asked you a while back if you still see them making an NCAA tournament. You said yes. Um, just in terms of the culture they've been able to build. Uh, funny, I think it was Mark Berman from Fox that asked um, that Marcus Sasser told him that they'll be fine with the culture and Kevin Thompson. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know about that. Mark, it's hard to replace Marcus Sasser and Tremont Mark. I think I, I think it's trick. I think they shouldn't be favored to win the American Athletic Conference anymore. I think you, you'd probably slide up Wichita State. Uh, Memphis uh, seems like they've gotten together after the rough patch. And you'd imagine they'll get better as the season progresses. I'd probably put those two teams at well, Wichita State struggle as well, but I wouldn't say they should be outright favored to win the American Athletic Conference. Uh, but I think 
that that probably be the ceiling, in my opinion, making the NCAA tournament, maybe winning a game in round two. I think it'll be hard for them to to go any farther past the second round, just in terms of what they've lost, and that's assuming that they don't suffer any more injuries, like Kyler Edwards. Uh, right. They would if they would have still played Cincinnati today as planned. I, I don't think Kyler Edwards would have played because Calvin Santos said he was in a walking boot and wasn't able to practice. So, I mean, really down the roster up and down, it's nothing but injuries. And honestly, a lot of these injuries are not to say fluke injuries, but they're they're absurd. Like, but they've happened. Like even with Marcus Sasser, we read on it. Um, he injured his fifth metatarsalus on his left foot that he's going to require surgery and. While I was reading about what how like how people get that injury, it, I came across where sometimes it happens just like on sprains, and sometimes it, it ends up being more than that than a normal sprain. So they've just had bad luck with injuries, and assuming they don't suffer anything more, I think I think that's probably their seeding. That's their second round in the NCAA tournament. Okay, I'm gonna bring in James and get his thoughts on James. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hello, how Hello. are you? See, he's big time now, telling folks in the background he's about to go on the air. See, yeah. <laughs> but uh, what what are your thoughts on, because we're going to talk football, and by tuning in, we'll talk Cougs football and, and win the Birmingham Bowl. But right now, James, what do you think the ceiling is for the men's basketball team as is going forward for the rest of the season? Yeah, I caught the tail end of what Andy said, and I'd probably agree. Um, coming into the season, I thought they were – um, Sweet 16, maybe Elite 8 was their ceiling. Um, but after seeing them play, if they were healthy, I believe they could have made another run to the Final Four. Not saying it would have happened, but I believe they had the pieces. But now with losing guys like Tremont Mark and Marcus Sasser, um, and then I know Andy touched on this a little bit. You don't know how long Kyler is going to be out. It sounds like you know he's not practicing still from the last we've heard when we talked to Coach Sampson. Um, so – I mean, you, you're, I mean, there's benefits in, to it and, like, younger guys like Ramon Walker who's shown some uh, – who's, who's been impressive just with the minutes, just in his hustle and effort. He'll get a lot more time probably and stuff like that. So there's going to be a lot of benefits. But in terms of a deep run in the tournament, I don't see it happening. Maybe round of 32, maybe sneak into the Sweet 16, but nothing past that in my opinion. So you, you guys are – we're all on the same page. It's, it's not gloom and doom. The season isn't over. They're not going to fall apart. I, I think they could win a game or two in the tournament. And with the injuries, you know, two key pieces, that'd be a great year. Okay? It's, the season's not over. Coach Sampson is not going to stop coaching hard, coaching the players hard. The players that are healthy on the team are not going to stop, they're not going to stop playing hard because they still have goals they want to accomplish. So some of the fans who uh, I guess we could say they're fair weather fans hopped off the train, hopped off the bus, whatever. It's over. Everything's over. Oh, oh my God. Folks. Okay. So it's like you have, well, I guess being a fair weather fan, you really don't know the culture of the program. That's not who they are. They're going to compete, play hard. But Andy, I'm not, I'm not sure I agree with you in terms of the conference favorite. One reason is because, Memphis is dealing with COVID themselves and they have their own issues. Wichita State hasn't played great non-conference. Cincinnati, you know, is Coach Miller's building the program, so they're not a great team. UCF not a great team. So almost 
by default, the men's team could still finish at the top. And we're not even sure how many games are going to be played at conference. You know, it'd be nice. It's, it's almost pie in the sky if, if they get all, what is it, 18 games, conference games done. I doubt that. I'm not sure. You know, we touched on it. The Cincinnati game for the 28th was canceled, postponed. Um, and then the women tonight, tonight's game with Southeast Louisiana was canceled because of COVID within U of H women's program. U of H's next game for the men is slated for Sunday at Temple. But Temple is now, now dealing with COVID. They hope to have enough players to play in Sunday's game. But that hope means maybe just seven guys for Temple. It might just be seven guys for U of H because Coach Sampson said, you know, players are coming in and out of COVID. So with the five-day, 10-day, you know, isolation, who knows how many will be healthy for either side in Sunday's game. But I'm not sure. But we're going to have a clip from Coach Sampson. I got two of them. This is first of two. And I believe if I do it right, this is one where he answered the question about the comments about Marcus Sasser and the program. But Coach Sampson is like, you know, it's, it's hard to replace 18 points a game <laughs> for Marcus and then Jermon with 10 to 12. So here we go. Culture don't score points. That scoreboard's up there for a reason, Hoss. Um, I, I believe in our culture, but, uh, um, you know, <laughs> it's tough to replace Jermon and uh, Marcus. Uh, um, it's just their talent. There's two talented, talented kids. There's a reason we're ranked 12th in the nation. You know, um, um, the team we have now is is probably not a top 12 team, uh, but the team we had certainly was. That was a that, that was a really good team. I, I knew how good it was. Um, but this this team, we, we've got to figure out who we are, how we're going to win, what what do we do? You know, those, those are all fun things for a coach. I, I love doing that. Um, you know, you won't see anybody in our program pouting or holding their head down or or throwing in some kind of a white flag. As a matter of fact, we're going to throw a flag, but it's going to be red. Um, it's called a challenge flag. You know, uh, this this is about a challenge for us. You bow your neck, you grit your teeth, you throw your chest yeah. out there, you hold your head up, and you go compete, man. That's what our culture is about. We're not going to replace Marcus' three-point shooting. You know, you say, well, Marcus, who's going to score? Well, somebody's going to score. We're not playing against Sandy Koufax, you know. Nobody pitching those shutouts against us will score. You know, but the thing that we've uh, uh, relied on to win games, we'll still continue to do that. Um, and, and we'll figure out how, who's going to score the baskets. You know, uh, we'll defend. We'll rebound. We're going to play hard. Our kids are going to compete. Uh, we're down a couple soldiers, but uh, – it's an opportunity for somebody to jump in there and, and have an opportunity. Look at Ramon Walker in the last game. Two weeks ago, his hand was still wrapped up from surgery. He had to have a uh, tendon reconnected. Think about that. You know, he didn't sprain his wrist. He had surgery. They opened his hands up and reattached a tendon in the top of his left, I'm sorry, his right hand, which is shooting hand. Uh, so now he went from... Um, Possible red shirt to a uh, heli starting, <laughs> you know. But that's you know the hands you dealt with. Last year we didn't have to deal with any injuries, which is which is remarkable. Uh, this year we are. Some years are like that. Um, 
But, um, you know, we're not going anywhere, man. You know, uh, we play Temple. We're going to go play Temple on uh, Sunday, and um, we're going to bring our culture with us. We hope they play Temple on, on Sunday because Temple is dealing with, with COVID issues. But just your thoughts right there, Coach Sampson, you know, he loves the challenge. He's been a coach a long time, and injuries are part of basketball. It's a cliche, obviously, about, you know, next man up, next player up. And it's hard to replace star players because they're the stars for a reason. But this team, I was thinking about this. And give me your thoughts on this, both of you. Um, Coach said Ramon Walker's going to start. Jamal said to be the, the other point guard, or the point guard, other guard. Do you think Coach Sampson will go big in the front court with Jawan Roberts, Fabian White, and Josh Carlton? Or if he gets healthy, have Kyler Edwards at that wing spot and then go with Kyler, Fabian, and Josh Carlton? I'd. I, I... If I were him, I'd, I'd probably go with the latter just in terms of being able to cycle uh, the bigs more in a traditional uh, rotation. And like you said, depending on Kyler Edwards' uh, health. And even then, I guess if, if you went with a three bigs in the starting lineup, I guess you would still have Reggie Cheney um, to kind of cycle in there in the rotation. But I don't know. I think that that'll make it more uh, – not to do it in like NBA terms or anything, but it, it, I, don't, I feel like that lineup would be a little – weird uh, i'm sure they'd figure out to make it work if they went that way but i think it'd be uh probably more better for the team overall they stick with a more traditional lineup where kyler edwards would still be in the starting lineup if, if he can go james what do you think yeah i agree with andy i don't think he's going to take a player like kyler edwards if he's healthy out of the starting lineup and i think you know starting lineup come crunch time um having kyler edwards in there is your best option but coach Sampson has also talked about how He's called this year's bigs the most talented he's had at UH. So it wouldn't surprise me if we do see some more three big uh, rotations throughout the game, not necessarily starting, but we, I mean, they, they have to have bodies in there. And um, with the talent they got, um, it would not surprise me at all if we see some, some of these, you know, just big time uh, basketball, you know, going with three guys who could play forward, center, whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. My, I guess my rationale for three bigs would be you'd have Kyler and Taze come off the bench and you'd have Reggie and, and JBA Francis as well up front. And if he gets, if, he's, if his needs are healthy, Robbie Ombrester, because if Kyler starts along with Ramon and Jamal, you have one guard, Taze coming off the bench. So that's, you know, just tossing it out there. Cause I'm not sure how deep the rotation will be. Will it be seven? Will it be eight? You know, how much time would Robbie Armbrester get? How much time will J.V. Francis get? Assuming, of course, the team is healthy and we have chance, you know, options to go that, that route at all. But do you see the team, you know, Coach Sampton has said many times, we play man to man. We don't play zone. Obviously a concern with, Jawan, Fabian, and Josh Carlton will be how to defend smaller, quicker teams. Would that end up, you know, requiring a zone defense? So this is kind of interesting. I'm, it's, I'm curious to see how they, it's going to work. It's going to work enough that they're going to still win games. Um, 
they'll still finish above 500 in the conference. I could still see them if if there's all all 18 games are played. Knock on wood. I can still see them winning 12, 12, 12 to 14. You know, around there, they're going to lose. Obviously, I mean, they're going to lose even if they were healthy. But that's just my rationale on that. And at some point, we're going to find out. I guess Friday, if not, I don't think Saturday. Cause I think the new conference policy is forty-eight hours before game. If the game against Temple Sunday will happen, so let's talk about it. James, you ready for your football knowledge? But let me toot my own horn. Last show, December twenty-third, I put out there: What is the conference going to do if? When Houston, Memphis, Cincinnati, Wichita State have issues with COVID and players don't have enough healthy bodies. Because last week, the conference was all set with having forfeits. Well, Houston <laughs> issues with COVID. And the irony is Memphis basketball had to cancel their game against Tennessee on the 18th because of COVID. And still, even after that issue, there was no change to the policy. Houston kind of changed the, the equation because Monday of this week, the athletic directors met, and lo and behold, oh, let's change the policy. We need to change things around. Well, go figure that. What are your thoughts on the conference ADs being reactive rather than proactive? Because we knew COVID was here. We knew Omicron was here weeks ago. James, you first. Yeah, um, I mean... I felt like they were going to change it, but I agree. I went back last week and watched the show. I thought y'all hit the point right on the head with, you know, teams are doing everything that they can do, you know, taking the precautions, vaccination rates, booster shots, all that. And so I thought, you know, should not change it in the first place, especially when I understand not wanting to be maybe the first conference, but when all these other conferences are doing it to still sit back and wait even, and you see how cases are spiking up. I thought it was, um, not the wisest thing and um they, they i mean it's probably not their favorite thing to deal with either you know having to deal with it last minute rather than just getting it out of the way when other conferences started stepping up and you saw that this could potentially be an issue andy what what are your thoughts no you hit a perfect chris where it, they were being reactive instead of proactive and uh i told you when they first um announced that the conference was going to meet or the ad's were going to meet uh following the the news that the houston cincinnati game was going to get postponed was it's another bad look for for the american athletic conference especially when like james said you look across um the country a whole bunch of different conferences updated uh, their covid protocols and, and we touched on it last week it, it should have been done it's the right move ultimately they got it right it just took them a while to get it but it's something that was out of anyone's control especially i mean sticking with houston specifically something kelvin Santana has said multiple times before where you know the entire team's been vaccinated, he says, by the end of, of this month. So, well, by the end of the week, since it's already almost the new year, um, all his players are going to receive booster shots that, that are eligible. I mean, at that point, there's nothing really much more that Houston can do. Um, and if they still get COVID after that, it's more than like we mentioned, the virus itself changing. It's not cute. It's not, um, you can't really blame Houston or say they were neglectful. Um, I guess the only way to penalize teams, if you want to go that way for conferences, is if a team has a low vaccine 
vaccination rate or something like that, which isn't the case with Houston and much of these teams across the conference. So it's something out of their control. So ultimately they got it right. But like we said, it, it took them a while to get there. But apparently it was an issue with Memphis. Memphis, yeah. as of yesterday, they had a low vaccination percentage among their players on the men's basketball side. Let me say that real quick, read this and then we'll talk football. And I got some notes, guys, get some water, take a break. You know what I do. We got to pay the bills and thank our sponsor. So I'm going to take a few minutes to uh, go full screen and be right back in, oh, who knows, two, three minutes. But here we go. This segment is brought to you by the Saxonian family. And as I touched on earlier, the U of H women's basketball game scheduled tonight, for tonight, 7 p.m. against southeastern Louisiana was canceled due to COVID issues within the U of H women's basketball program. For fans who had purchased tickets for the game, they will be able to exchange them for any future women's basketball game uh, this season. And for any questions, fans can email tickets at uh.edu or call 713-GO-COOGS at 713-462-6647. And do that, make the, make the call during regular business hours. I got a segment, I, want, I got a tidbit that I'm going to bring in with the guys to talk about in a moment, but just as an FYI, UH Women's Hoops has open dates on the schedule after a January 22nd game scheduled at Memphis. The Cougs' next scheduled game will be is Sunday, January 30th versus South Florida. The next open window after that is a Wednesday, February 9th home game versus US UCF before facing East Carolina Wednesday, February 16th. So maybe there's a chance if need be to reschedule during those windows, maybe one or two games during that six, seven days uh, between games. Next, got this note, and I'm going to bring in the guys right here because the segment is short because we're going to talk football for the rest of the time. But, fellas, check this out. Got a lot of different things we want to talk about here. Check this out. We touched on it when I did the slides, the class little thing about the net rankings and everything today. I did a little combo, looked at AAC versus Big 12 women's hoops regarding the net in conference play. We know there's a difference in quality of play and or level of competition between AAC women's hoops and Big 12 women's hoops. Case in point, UH women, they have 11 conference games against teams with a net ranking of 101 and up. South Florida has 12 conference games with versus teams 101 ranking and up. Tulsa has 13. Contrast that to the Big 12. Iowa State has four. Baylor, Oklahoma, and Texas each have five conference games against teams with a net ranking of 101 and up. On the men's side, Real quick, this is real quick. On the men's side, Houston men's hoops scheduled has nine combined quadrant three and quadrant four conference games remaining. Baylor in the Big 12 has a grand total of one quadrant three slash quadrant four conference game remaining. And that's Kansas State 
who has a net ranking of 85. So that's a Q3 conference game. You get the idea. Just what, what are your thoughts on it's just like in numbers, you can see the difference in quality of play between the two conferences. And another reason why I think I and both of you are looking forward to U of H being in the Big 12. Yeah, for sure. Um, like you just said, with the numbers, you can see that um, there's a lot more exciting matchups in the Big 12, like you, and the numbers pointed out just with that. And on the women's side, I think it hits back a point we've all talked about just like U of H women's hoops, like you have to win the conference tournament to get in the tournament, the NCAA tournament, because nothing on there. You said 11 or 12, I think. Um, they, they have 11. <laughs> the high I looked at. Tulsa has 13, 13 conference games yeah. against teams, one-on-one conference games against one-on-one and up. So even if they win those 11 games, the, that's not, the committee is not going to be impressed. I mean, when you're playing that level of competition. So it just, I mean, I'm glad you brought it up because I didn't realize I knew the the gap was there, but the numbers make it even more clear. So Andy, what thoughts? And we're going to bring in Will and see if Will has uh, got over his morning of the Ricky Rubio news. No, uh, you hit it right on the money. I mean, that's that's the reason why Houston can't wait to, to join the Big 12. And um, whenever it happens, whether it's 2023 or sooner, because especially from a women's perspective, like James said, they essentially just there's really no margin of error. Like they have to be perfect in conference play. And even then, it, it probably won't be enough unless if they were to, like we've mentioned before, at least be UCF and USF, at least split with them. Um, during conference play to at least have a chance to be one of those, you know, last seeds to get in uh, without winning the conference tournament and conference championship at the end of the season. So uh, really it, it kind of makes it almost an impossible task because something Kelvin Sampson has said before, like these student athletes are they're human, so they're not going to be perfect every game. And you know, they have one bad night and especially on the women's side, it's kind of ruins their entire chance of, of, making an NCAA tournament bid um, and kind of, for the lack of a better word, kind of have to wait all the way until March when they're playing in the conference tournament to really make a, honestly, their only real push to be able to get into the NCAA tournament. And even from the men's side, I know the past few seasons, they've been at a level where they don't have to worry about whether they're going to be you know, one of those global teams. But if you look at the conference as a whole, if you're one of those global teams, the conference schedule isn't really helping you. In fact, it's hurting you because if you're losing those games, they're going against you. And if you win them, they're not helping you much. And I forgot to bring this up earlier. So Willie Gibson, hold on. I'll get your thoughts on this as well. But in terms of bracketology, UH men are a three seed. I think Joel Nardi had his Christmas Eve in the morning. So that was before the Marcus Sasser news, a three seed. The guys from The Athletic did a bracketology today and dropped U of H to a four seed because of Sasser and Jamon being out for the rest of the year. So I reached out to a contact with the NTA committee just to get a comment on how the committee will view the injuries for the, you know, to key players and how, how will the committee de determine or base anything about seeding for them. And basically uh, the teams are evaluated by the outcomes of the games played with and without the players. And then we get into subjectivity. To the extent each committee so chooses, they will factor their evaluation of a team because of the loss of the players. So roundabout way, 
they will look at how the team did with 11 and 2, factor that in, and then they'll look at how the team does going forward for the rest of the year without Marcus and Tremont, and then determine, well, they were this, but now they're this. So maybe they, they still are a, a top four seed or they are, you know, things like that. So that is, I got that answer from a contact with the NCAA committee, NCAA rep in the committee, you know, determination. So just want to put that out there. Willie Gibson, are you ready? Have you, have you gone through your emotions? Well, guys, give me your thoughts on that before I bring in Willie Gibson. What are your thoughts on that? Are Ricky Rubio's injury? No, no, on the committee and how they evaluate U of H. That's interesting where they're, they're – <laughs> I don't know why I said Rubio injury. Um, hmm. you, you'd figure – I mean, should they really even be taking into account the injuries? Like, I, I get the point. Really, it should be on what the, the basketball product is on the floor. So, from this point forward, really, they should be grading U of H on how they look um, on the court and how they stay competitive, how many games do they win. That's really what should matter, but – from now going forward, I mean, it'll be it's interesting if you go into March and I don't know, say Houston's border between a five seed, a four seed, and they choose them to be a five seed because they don't have their two players. I don't, I don't know. That sounds kind of weird, uh, at least in my opinion. James, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I don't think Houston will be penalized if they continue to win, um, but. We do know it is a different team. They are not as good without Marcus Sasser and Tremont Mark. But the 11 wins before, I mean, they should play a factor in my opinion. But I, I think with the body of work Houston has, um, by the end of the year, I agree with your assessment, Chris, probably, you know, 12, 14 in that range of wins in the conference play, even with the injuries. I think they'll still end up being, you know, a five seed um, so, somewhere around there. So I don't think it will affect them too much. Um Willie Gibson, are you ready, sir? I hope you're able to hear that in the studio. How are you, sir? I'm good, sir. How about you? Are you? I'm, we're okay. Are you in mourning? Mourning? No. No. Why? The news about Ricky Rubio being out for the year with the torn ACL? Oh, no. That's, we'll get to that later. It's Rose Bowl week. It's Rose Bowl week. I'll see that, you know, that's his, you know what I mean? Which brings us into, that's a great segue. Yeah. Which... <clears throat> James, you have it because I got thoughts about some of the reaction to alums, U of H alums, about winning the Birmingham Bowl. And I'm going to say just like that, the Birmingham Bowl. James, give me your thoughts on yesterday's win over Auburn 17-13 in the Birmingham Bowl. Yeah, so, I mean, anytime you can beat an SEC team like Auburn, who's consistently been pretty good. I mean, it's a win. Um, of course, Auburn had a down year um, in terms of just overall, but they were within a, a – they, they should have beaten Alabama, the number one team in the country. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of – I get the excitement around it. It's a big-time win for the program, um, especially uh, I thought the defense would struggle more without, you know, your two best players and Marcus Jones and Logan Hall, but they really stepped up and held Auburn in check. But also – Auburn, you know, with TJ Finley at quarterback, I didn't expect much from him. Um, you know, he ha he hadn't really done much when he stepped in when Bo Nix went down with an injury. Um, so there's a little <laughs> taken away from that. But I think overall, it was a solid win for the program. Definitely, you know, boasting another 12-win season, only the third time um, in UH history that 
the football team has won 12 or more games in a single season. So, I mean, there's a lot of positives from it. But, again, you, I don't think it's fair to jump to conclusions and just say, oh, they beat an SEC team, they can compete with anyone in the country because there's still work to do. Um, but it's definitely a good way for the Cougars to end the season and um, a, a good springboard going into 2022, which uh, Dana Holgerson talked a lot about um, in his post-game uh, press conference yesterday. Will, get to you in a second because your perspective, you're in the ivory tower, okay? You're, you're Rose Bowl and you're like looking at us, Birmingham Bowl, big deal. But uh, Andy, give me your thoughts on the football team's win. So hold on, Will, another solo screen and come back to the group as well. You got it, Andy. No, certainly, like James said, it's much better to, to win the bowl game than to lose it. And especially considering the, the season they had been able to, to put together and kind of turn around after that uh, opening loss to Texas Tech to kind of wrap up the season with it, not only in it with a W, but like James said, beating an SEC opponent. Um, and also what the defense showed that, like James said, they had their two key players out and they still were dominant, held Auburn at 13 points. Um, and even Clayton Toon, he showed um, the offense struggle for, for – a lot of the game, but whenever they had to, they, he made a couple of big plays. He was a lot more smarter with the ball. Um, they limited uh, mistakes, uh, except <laughs> um, thinking of the, the kind of the trick play they tried to do that backfired. But uh, I think overall, they a good season. It was a good win to, to cap it off and being able to show that, that they can beat other opponents that aren't just uh, going back to the American Athletic Conference, but kind of the low-end teams that they, they played for much of the season and during their winning streak. Will, what are your thoughts? Well, let me just say this. James and Andy are correct. They're being more glass half full than I am about the football program. And yes, it, it was an SEC team. Hooray. It was a six and six SEC team. Defense did a solid job. I was more surprised at how well U of H's offensive line held up against yeah. Auburn because mm-hmm. I was expecting Clayton Toon to be running for his life a lot through the game because of the inconsistency and you know hold holdings and blown blocks and assignments things like that but kudos to the o-line for u of h but pump your brakes 11 12 and 2 is, is an accomplishment third time in program history to win 12. the 13 points allowed by u of h is the least the fewest points in uh history in a bowl game so that's that's a that's a great thing but this schedule we know it James, I think, what was it? What did it rank? At one point, the overall strength of schedule was 114. Yeah, it was in the 110s to 120 something, range. Something I like that. Exactly, so yeah. They did, they beat who they're supposed to beat. So good for them on that. But I have higher expectations than winning the Birmingham Bowl. Andy, James, this bowl win was the first since when? 2015. And that bowl. bowl, and that bowl was what, James? The Peach Bowl. Peach bowl. The Peach Bowl against Florida State, and that will that win over Florida State ended Florida State's program. They have not been the same since. That was the Peach Bowl. That's not the Birmingham Bowl. That's, that's like world's difference. But that was U of H win on in Birmingham Bowl was the first bowl win since then. So maybe that's why the fans are all happy about that. But whatever, Mr. Gibson. Yes, sir. Discuss the uh, perspective that you have from Ohio 
and the Ohio State because the Buckeyes are playing in what bowl, sir? The Rose Bowl. The granddaddy of them all. The Rose Bowl. Yes, sir. Not the Birmingham Bowl. No. So and so which one is more more uh prestigious, sir? Uh someone said the Rose Bowl. Yes, I'd be part of that some 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 as well. So who does Buckeyes face in the Rose Bowl, sir? Uh they play Utah out of the Pac twelve. Pac twelve champion. Pac twelve champion. Yes. What was Auburn, Andy, James? Middle of the road SEC team. Okay, so they weren't the SEC champion. Okay, just making sure of that too. UH did not win the AAC conference championship. Say that as well. They made it to the Birmingham Bowl. They won that. Okay, kudos for all that. What is Danny Horgelson's record in bowl games now, James? I'm not sure completely, but he's one and one at uh, Houston. I'm not. I don't know his overall rec- record going back to West Virginia and prior. Three and six. Yep, three and six. Three and six with wins in the Orange Bowl in 2012, Cactus Bowl in 2016, and now the 2021 Birmingham Bowl. Three and six. One more time. Let me say it again. Three and six. So, folks. Dana's turned the program around. You know, it's it's all great. You know, pizzas and ice cream. We're ready for the Big Twelve. Okay, we'll see. Uh, fellas, real quick, Will, you're gonna love this. Guys, you're gonna love this. I didn't type it up, so I gotta put it up here. Uh, here we go. Future opponents for U of H next year, non-conference. UTSA, Texas Tech, Kansas, and Rice. Hmm. Non-conference. Wow. I'm not impressed. Thoughts? No, yeah. Uh, for sure, it's it's not the, the most um, impressive non-conference schedule. I think UTSA is probably the headliner there with the season they had uh, this past season. Um, there's not much you can say. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's there. Yeah, adding on to Andy's point, I mean, I think it's a little better than the, uh, t- this 2021 season just because of the season UTSA had, but it's not much better at all, and it's relatively weak. I mean, you're playing the worst school I mean, in the Big 12 in football um, in Kansas. Uh, UTSA will be a solid game. Texas Tech, they, they're middle of the road. Um, and then Rice, I mean, it's a, it's a yearly game, but – Price has not, not been relevant in football, except for, you know. I will add this. It is an upgrade. So essentially, they're pre- replacing Grambling and UConn, who they played in non-conference this year with UTSA and and uh, Kansas. <laughs> fair so enough. It's an upgrade there. But, okay, fair enough. Yeah, again, it's it's not. Uh, 2023, like, UTSA, Rice. Sure, hold on, Will. Let me pull this up. You can yeah. have, it, have at it. UTSA, Rice, Kansas, Sam Houston. 23? Yeah. Well, by then, Sam Houston might be FBS school, so. Go, go ahead, Will. Well, go no, ahead. just for comparison's sake, um, season opener for Ohio State in 2022 is uh, Notre Dame. Are you saying UTSA is not on the same level as Notre Dame, Will? No, I was just comparing, just giving context. <laughs> That's all. 
Just give a little context. That's it. Uh, go ahead, James. You got, you got to uh, I was going to say, I think Will hits on a good point there, though. Like, you see all these elite schools open up, you know, with a, a challenge typically. Um, Alabama typically schedules a decent school. They blow them out, but still, at least it's relevant. Uh, we saw Clemson, Georgia play this year. Um, Will's Point, Ohio State uh, will play. Notre Dame, they played Oregon earlier um, this year, one, I think their second game of the season. Um, whereas in Houston, we've seen like a season like this, they didn't reach a challenge until they made the conference championship game in terms of like nationally relevant. And who knows if they get, even get Cincinnati on the regular season schedule next year. I'm not sure if that's uh, being confirmed or anything, but there's a chance you go through the whole season and you're not even playing some sort yeah. of, you know, top 25 team um, with the way the American has, they've scheduled a uh, non-conference and then, I mean, the American conference being relatively weak in terms of national relevancy. Um. It gets better. Andy, Will, James, 2024. Right now, it's just UNLV, Boise State, at Boise State. 25, Colorado, Boise State. 26, Utah, at Colorado, at Georgia Southern. Got some Pac-12 in there. Well, it's 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 better. Yeah, it's better, but still, it's not one of those headliner schools you'd you'd imagine uh, um, they'd be able to get. I mean, even just going back to 2019, they were able to schedule a game against Oklahoma. That that was a big one to start the season uh, up in Norman. And I mean, I feel like it, it's interesting. In years past, they've had um, kind of those signature uh, opponents in non-conference now. The problem was they weren't beating them, but still they, they had them on the schedule. Um, and now they, they've kind of transitioned away from that. But still early to fill out those 2024, 20 and beyond uh, schedules. And Utah, Colorado, Boise State, they're not the worst schools to, to schedule non-conference. They're decent challenges. But I feel like going forward, especially once they're officially in the Big 12, they should um, start going for those challenges, trying to schedule um, some of those more Pac-12 schools, heck, try to schedule one of, one of those SEC schools, maybe a Big Ten school, and build up your non-conference schedule like that because then they'll have the benefit of having to go through a Big 12 schedule and conference play as well. And if I could add one thing. Yes, um, please do. We've talked about it all year on Folks Talking Sports, just, you know, the lack of the attendance problem at UH. You know, they Thank didn't you. get over 28,000. If I'm a fan, I'm not going to get excited about most of these non-conference games. Like, if you can bring in a quality school, schedule a home and home, that gets me excited from the jump, and then I'll be more inclined to go back. Um, whereas, you know, you're not playing anyone relevant. You're, I mean, I'm not. If I wasn't a reporter, I wouldn't have paid to go watch the Cougars play Grambling or Rice. Yeah. I, I mean, or it's UConn. just, <laughs> it's just not me. worth it. Um, but I would pay if Oklahoma came to town or, I mean, there's more benefits than just, you know, challenges on the field. It helps just build up the hype within the program financially, um, just the fan base overall. um, There's so much benefits. Thank you. Yeah. The the other thing, getting, getting those high quality opponents and actually get them to play on campus at TDCU. I mean, even this past year, they, they played Texas Tech who, uh, 
has some buzz because of the interstate rivalry and they are a Big 12 school. If that game would have been on campus, I feel like the atmosphere would have been much better than it was at NRG Stadium where half the stadium was, was empty. Um, and the patches and most of the people that were there um, were it kind of was probably 60-40 Texas Tech. So they need to do a better job of getting teams to come to campus instead of uh, having them at NRG Stadium. Thank you, young gentlemen, young Lions of FTS. That's why I have you on the show because now I'm going back to my U of H alums who are all giddy over beating Auburn in the Birmingham Bowl. Are y'all going to buy season tickets now because of this win? Are the season, is the season ticket base going to increase to James help me out? What was it this year? You have any, just give a, a ballpark. What do you think it was? I don't know. 15, 15 maybe. Yeah. 15,000. Will you hear what I said that? 15,000. That's like a section at Ohio State. Okay. So my challenge to all of these alums who are watching us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, who are happy right now for a win in the Birmingham Bowl over, over an SEC, a 500 SEC team, raise your expectations, spend your money, buy season tickets, have higher expectations for the program. Because 15,000 yawn. U of H is going to the Big 12. I wonder where that would rank in the conference. 15,000 season ticket holders. Pretty sure that's toward the bottom. Near <laughs> Kansas level. Yeah. Okay. 20, 25, 30. Get to a point where it's like men's basketball. Where every the season ticket it basically takes up the whole stadium and you just have single games here and there. Can y'all can we do that? Uh Andy, what do you think? Can you raise alum do that for football? They continue to build on it. And again, like James said, you got to start scheduling some of those marquee matchups, whether it's interstate or beyond. Because you know, like James said, I mean, no offense, but Grambling, Rice, those those schools, when they played Grambling, it was a it was an afternoon game. It was an evening game. I'm sure there's a lot of other things that people would love to do on a Saturday evening, Saturday night, than watch UH pummel Bramden when that game was honestly over by halftime. James, do you think the U of H alumni base could come strong and get to 20, 25, 30,000 season ticket holders for football? Not until Big 12, because I mean, even look, look at this year. Starting the season, I think season tickets were as low as like $125. So that's like 20 bucks a game. If you can't splash that, if you call yourself a loyal fan and you know, and you can't splash 20 bucks a game, like, um, they, I mean, the upcoming schedule is not going to excite you much. And then, um, even with the Big 12, tickets are going to, season tickets are going to jump when the Big 12, I think there will be an increase because it's improved competition. But I still, I don't know if they'll be able to get to, 25 30,000 it it just really depends but definitely not next year i don't see uh us seeing sellout after sellout at tdcu will your, your eyes rolled you couldn't believe it could you because yeah, i was like okay wait a minute 100 i thought he was thinking 125 per game but he said no 20 per game i'm like wait a minute 125 dollars was a season ticket yep general admission yeah was that a student that wasn't a student no, that was like a regular package. And like yeah. where you're coming from, Ohio State, that will get you nosebleeds on the big games. Yeah. Like, yeah. Wow. I, yeah. Wow. 
So once again, I'm gonna, I'm going. This is where I'm coming from. Okay, for for alums tuning in, Chris is just bashing. He he didn't know what he's talking about. I went to U of H, graduated '94. Okay, I've I've been there. I've seen the marketing suck. I've been okay. I've seen it getting better. But football, we there, we have a whole bunch of fair weather alums when it comes to football. If we are want to be, and I'm saying we now, so I'm putting on my U of H alum hat. If we want to be in the quote-unquote football business, put your money where your mouth is. Raise your expectations. Stop settling for beating average teams in a bowl game that I couldn't care less about the bowl game. I watched because it's my alma mater. But so what? But I want to know, did the season ticket office number ring off the hook today, tomorrow, uh, January 3rd? Got it. I, how much? I want my tickets. I want my tickets. Let's see if it gets to 20000 for this coming season, despite the non-conference schedule being trash. No offense to who's a home game for, non- for non-conference. Let me see here. Home games will be Kansas. Oh, my gosh. Kansas and Rice. <laughs> yeah, that's going to bring them in. <laughs> Kansas and Rice coming in for home games. Okay. But I'll, I'll spin it another way. We got to get to a point that we – Alums, U of H alums are there to see U of H, not just the opponent. Because that's still an issue in basketball, honestly. But be there for U of H football. Kansas, Rice, shouldn't matter. You're there to see U of H football, and Coach Hogerson is building the program. It's on a nice foundation now. So we'll see what he does next season. And then Big 12, again, James, you make a great point. Andy as well. The conference opponents in the Big 12 will be better. But the first thing should be for alums, U of H alums, is to be at TDECU Stadium to see U of H play. Not Texas Tech, not Baylor, not TCU, Oklahoma State, U of H. So let's see if we get to that level. I'm not sure we can. I'm almost 50. I haven't seen it. I didn't see it when I was 15, 16, 17, 18 years old. So let's see if we get to that level. Will, I know you, you go ahead. No, what, okay. I was saying, is it TDECU Stadium? Yes. Yeah. What, what does that stand for? What it's it a Credit Union Bank. Credit Union, Credit Union okay. Bank, whatever, okay. yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. And Will, I, I want you, because uh, you were under the weather last week. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a minute to shine. hope you remember to take well, uh, two weeks ago mm-hmm. when we were trying to talk about Coach Huey, talk about his record. Yes. You got the floor, Mr. Gibson. I'm going to give it to you. I don't care if your screen frees up. Just keep talking. You got the floor. <laughs> well, thank you. No, you and I talked about it. Um, I mentioned that he was had won 38% of his games. And I found that um, – on the University of Houston women's basketball page. And so later on, we talked, and you had gone through another source, I think it was NCAA, and actually found out, I think it was 47%. And I'm like, 42. 42%. I'm like, wait a minute, I know I've got the information from the school page, and I go back and I check, and I did. But they 
only had his record through the 2018-2019 season. And I and I found that to be a problem because if I'm going to the University of Houston website for information on the University of Houston women's basketball program, I expect to see current information and to find out that it actually was not current information. It was two to three years old information. I kind of was upset. Because I, I'm not used to that. I'm not, and I, I don't mean to come off as elitist. I don't mean to come off as, um, uh, <clears throat> you know, snubbing my nose at the, at the quote-unquote so-called little guy. But I, 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 I thought by going to the school information, the source itself, that I would get current information and to, to find out that it wasn't current kind of it, it, uh, it perturbed me a lot. A lot, and you know, Chris, and you know, you and I talked about that, and you know, you encouraged me to to share as I'm doing now. But you know, going to the Big Twelve, it stands in the AC in the ACC in the AAC. Pardon me, staying in the AAC, you got to do better. You got to do better to have two to three year old for information on the school website that I go to to look for information from the school. That's a problem. Thank you. That's from Willie Gibson from the Ohio State University, not Chris Gardner, not Andy Yanez, not James Mueller. So to the alums of U of H watching this, reach out to the athletic department, the sports information department. I'm not going to name names. Y'all know who they are. I can do that right now, but I won't. Do better. Have higher expectations for the content on uhcougars.com. Andy, your thoughts? No, yeah, that's certainly a problem right there when they need to update their website. Even then, I'm I'm looking at his page right now, and he's right. Um, even looking at his bio, they don't have anything for the past season, the 2020-21 season, which is the best season he's had um, since, since he's been the head coach here at UH. So they need to even, I mean, especially for these smaller sports, they need to start uh, – and honestly, I, I can't even pinpoint exactly what it is. But they just got to do a better job of marketing their teams and even then um, opening up the access to them because I, I think it was a week or two ago and we mentioned it. I mean, even for the women's basketball team, like they don't have Zoom availability after road games, at least, which the men's basketball team does, the football team did after every, uh, <clears throat> after every road game. Uh, that's something that they should make you the uh, keep trying to inc- – increase the access of your team. The technology is there to be able to do it. That should go for all the other teams, too. I know they're... Hold up, Andy. Hold up, hold up. Say that again. Say that again. The technology is there. Which part? No, that's it. The technology is there to do better. We are a prime example right now of doing this show, this live stream right now. Yeah, and basically it's kind of like a Zoom meeting, but live. Okay, so... I and James, I'll, I'm just coming to you in just one moment. Once again, I'm putting on my U of H alum hat. I have high expectations for this program. Okay? I cover, work with big-time programs all over this country. So I've seen how big-time programs work. U of H ain't there. Okay? 
we, and I'm going to say we, we as a program, as alums, need to raise expectations and expect more from our alma mater. James, you got it. Yeah, I think Willie and Andy hit it right on. Um, the one thing I would add is even though U of H women's basketball season hasn't turned out like they've liked so far, they're coming into the year, their motto is unfinished business, right? They're, they're saying, you know, last year was, you know, a good start. We're going to really turn it around. There needs to be marketing leading up to the year because no one knew about it. And Andy mentioned, you know, Coach Huey not really being available um, for media stuff. Um, the only time I've talked to him is after the one game I went to. Um, but there's been no Zooms. There's been no promotions or anything. And then with the outdated website stuff, I mean, if you're trying to signify, you know, a new brand, you know, we're on the rise. This program is on the rise. It's coming up. We're moving to the Big 12, which is even better. We want people to, you know, buy in. You got to yes. market it and you got to keep things updated. Um, I mean, and like you said, it's not that hard. Um, it takes time, but all the resources are at, at, at their hands and they're capable of doing that. It takes time. It takes staff. I understand that. And Andy, I'm saying to you right now <laughs> during the stream, please clip this and, and, re and repost it on Twitter. Okay. Cause I'll tag it and send it to uh, Chris Pesman. And other people, I'll send it to Reno Couture because it's great. I know we know football makes the world go round. I know that. We all know that. But don't forget about your other sports. Don't treat them as third-class citizens. They deserve their respect and attention as well. And don't come to, well, they don't, they don't generate a bunch of revenue, all that kind of stuff. Some money is better than no money. But those teams, those student athletes, student assets, still deserve attention and recognition and coverage and promotion as well. All right. Anything else I want to say? Will, what, what, what time is the game? Buckeyes, Utah? Uh, Saturday at 4 Central, 5 Eastern. What's the spread? Uh, Ohio State, 4.5 now. It was Ohio State, 7. But due to opt-outs, it's uh, dropped to four and a half. Who all has opted out? I saw Alave did, but who else? Alave, Garrett Wilson, uh, Nicholas Petit Ferrer, uh, offensive lineman, and defensive tackle Haskell Garrett. Okay. But that was prior when I was coming on. Uh, linebacker Cody Simon potentially won't play. Defensive tackle Antoine Jackson potentially won't play. Uh, defensive back Seven Banks did not make the trip to California. He's no longer with the team. So there's a few more that could potentially not be there by Saturday. I'm not going to ask you because I, I know me and Andy, we struck out on our prediction, our guarantee in the bowl game with U of H and Auburn. So, Will, do, do you do you want to guarantee uh, a Buckeyes win? I don't. Okay, fair enough. Nope. <laughs> uh, James, you got anything you want to add? You got any thoughts? Real quick, off the top of your head, football, Cougs football, who's who's coming back? Uh, who, well, well, phrase it like this. Who do you expect back? And then who – is talent coming in to the program? Yeah. So um, in terms of who I expect back, 
um, that are eligible to return. Obviously, some players, seniors, um, COVID years run out. They can't come back. But um, Donovan Mutant, who's one of the vocal leaders, uh, captain linebacker on the defense, I expect him to come back. He said he, uh, when he talked to the media before the bowl game, he said he was going to really, you know, take into consideration um, after the bowl game what his decision would be like. But he said, you know, he really likes what, uh, Houston's been building and he wants to be a part of that. So I expect him, he will be back. Um, Derek Parrish, uh, defense alignment. I expect him to be back as well in terms of, uh, key, like defensive players offensively. I bet Clayton tune returns. Um, he could get, you know, try to go pro. And I think, he, I, I don't know if he'd get drafted or a team would pick him up. He'd get a shot, but I think he has more to gain from coming back for another, another year. Um, and then other than that, um, those are like the key returners, I would say, off the top of my head. And then the recruiting class, they brought in some nice guys. They brought in a four-star receiver from Klein Kane, Matthew Golden. Dana Holgerson said he expects him to uh, have the same type of impact um, that Alton McCaskill, the freshman running back, did in his first year. So he can fill in some of those gaps in the receiving uh, game, which will be interesting to see how him and uh, Tank Dell complement each other. And then um, they bring in a center named Demetrius Hunter. His nickname's Pancake because he, he just throws pancake blocks all the time. Um, but UH is looting, losing Cody Russi, who um, is out of years of eligibility that center. And typically, you don't see a lot of younger offensive linemen start um, year one. But Dana Holgerson has said that he thinks uh, Hunter could be a guy with the gap they need, they have at that position and the talent. Um, and he's also an early enrollee. And then the other, there's a few other notable guys on defense that are JUCO players that were some of the most highly recruited players out of JUCO that um, chose to come to UH, um, defense linemen, linebackers. So um, they, they've got the, the recruiting class. You can see that it stepped up this year. Um, obviously losing guys like Logan Hall, Marcus Jones, Demarion Williams. Th there's a lot of talent that they're going to have to replace. But um, I, I think – I think they'll they have a good foundation, and I think with the returners and the guys they brought in, um, I mean, so far it's shaping up where you shouldn't see a massive, you know, drop down um, come twenty twenty two. Thank you, sir. Real quick, I just saw on Twitter Marcus Sasser announced that he will have his surgery tomorrow mm. on his hairline fracture. So he asked for prayers, um, and of course the hashtag for the city. So Marcus Sasser, U of H guard will have a surgery on his hairline fracture of the fifth metatarsal December 30th. So that's a ahead of timetable initially because it's supposed to be in January. We'll okay. play this last clip from Coach Sampson. First voice you'll hear will be uh, the Chronicles Joseph Duarte with a question. Coach Sampson will answer that. And then I got a question piggybacking off of Joseph's question. And then we'll come back and close it out. You're watching Folks Talking Sports, sponsored by the Saxonian family. This isn't like the pro leagues where you can go and fill a spot or, or sign a street free agent or, or whatever. Is, is there anything numbers wise you can do? For instance, you know, I, I, this is just throwing this out there. Would it would it a mid year guy be an option or, or do you even can you go that route or, or or do you just kind of stick with what you have and try to work through it? What do you mean a mid year guy? Uh, like 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 someone like an Emmanuel coming in. Emmanuel. If you needed if you needed guards. I mean, could you go that route? I mean, I know it's probably your last, last, you know, um, I, guess, 
I guess you could, but, uh, you know, Emmanuel broke his leg and then he tore ligaments in his ankle. He's been cleared by the doctor um, that he can do some things, but I would say he's a month or six weeks away, so he's not an option at all. We, we haven't even thought about that. Of course, you know, we, we know what the situation is, so there's, there's no um, – um, you know, we deal with our kids on a daily basis. I talked to Emmanuel and his father. His father was his high school coach, so – um, but um, I'm looking forward to Emmanuel uh, uh, getting getting in practice and doing some things. But uh, he was just cleared recently, so I'd say he's a month away. But he's there. there there's zero chance that he's going to play for us this year. Um, now we, you know, if it gets if it gets worse and we're out of bodies, we may have to go grab a uh, um, um, football player. You know, I don't know if there's there's uh, who over there could do something, but so you know, obviously they're not going to help you in a game, but they may be able to help us in practice. All right. Thank you, Joseph. Okay, time for a few more here. We'll go to, back to Chris Gardner, please. Chris, go ahead, sir. Coach Joseph took part of where, where I was going regarding college basketball. There is no you play one game and keep a red shirt. Once you're one minute, the red shirt season is over. Correct. Unless you have an injury, then you can medical redshirt. But medical redshirt um, is um, 30% of the game. So if you play 30 games, you can play up to 10 games and still medical redshirt. But as far as just regular redshirt, um, you have um, – uh, if you play – you know, we um, – Kieran Powell is redshirting uh, this year. He is, he is our only um, uh, redshirt for this team. Thanks very much. You bet. All right. Thoughts on that? Because I know some alums are, well, just plugging Emmanuel Sharp. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, no, yeah, Emmanuel, I think he arrived yesterday and a plan last week was be on campus 28th and start practicing today. But as Coach said, and Andy, you, you and Dayon interviewed Emmanuel last it was last summer, right? It was, yeah, it was in the summer. It was right after he announced his commit, uh, community of age. And you know, he was coming off an injury at that time. Yeah. So he, yeah, he's he's not rich. So he's so pump your brakes and all those things. You know, and that, fans, go ahead. That would, no, that would be like really hard if he barely comes. I think was he set to join today, or he was supposed to join sometime this week? Right. right? Either yes, uh, come today and practice. I mean, come yesterday, arrive yesterday and practice today. I mean, in season, yeah, even if he was one hundred percent healthy, have him come in, get acclimated to the program, and then have him play in the game a couple of weeks later is uh, completely, uh, to be honest, probably a, a very difficult task to to try to be able to do. So even if he was one hundred percent healthy, it, it, there's no way Houston would have done that. Um, but yeah, what did catch my eye from that uh, clip, he, Kelvin Sampson talked about the, the medical redshirt. And I'm looking at Tremont Mark's stats, and he he's only played in six games this season, which the last one coming against Alabama. I'm curious, would it be possible to medical redshirt Tremont since he's only played six games? And say if they get rescheduled the, the Cincinnati game, on schedule for regular season, they had 31 games to play. So they have 
kind of some flexibility. I think he might be able to fall into that red, medical retro criteria. Let's say U of H plays 18 more games. Well, what is it? Let's, say, let's make it simple. 17, so that'd be 30. Mm -hmm. 30 games. So six out of that 30, that's just 20%, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. that's, that's under 30, 30%. Well, very good, Mr. Giannis. Very good. So we'll see if that is a possibility. That's one of the reasons why I brought it up. You know, because I was curious about about the red shirt, medical red shirt. No, yeah, there's a lot of people that, that whenever uh, the news broke, they kept asking about that as well. So, you know, we shall see about that. Um, this has been a great show, guys. Thank you very much for, for, for chiming in, and I hope people enjoyed it. I'm finally doing a better job with the uh, – that's the Twitter account for the show. Folks want to become followers sent to that Twitter account, and you know, I – urge you to do so because you get updates about upcoming shows and and clips from our shows recorded shows so courtesy of mr yannis uh you know we got two tech guys on here and, and then me and will um <clears throat> no offense will let me just say let me no. say for myself i'm not no. a tech guy no so, <laughs> so uh but yeah so okay is there anything and let me say if i can remember off the top of my head i just got an email Women's basketball, Texas and Vanderbilt postponed because of COVID in the Vandy program. Um, Rice women's basketball, COVID issues in their program caused postponement for the game on Saturday. Um, the American Center Conference had to, I think, had two cancellations to women's basketball as well. East Carolina program, Cincinnati, COVID. I think the Big 12. I think TCU's having COVID issues. Kansas and West Virginia is having COVID issues, so we're still dealing with this. It's going to be here for hopefully just another four weeks or so, but it's where we are, and just got to deal with it. I'll have something to say to you three guys when we sign off the air because I didn't confirm it, but I'll tell you what I heard. But, uh, Will, how can folks find you on social media as we wrap it up? I'm going to come to you, if I can get to it, for a full screen. Thank you, Chris. You can always find me on at on Twitter at Will Gibson Seven, on Facebook Will Knows, and uh, Instagram as well Will Gibson Seven. Oh, Instagram! All right, sir. James, come to you next. How can folks find you? Yeah, um, y'all can find me on Twitter at JDM2186 and all my works at thedailycougar.com. Also, wanted to give a shout out um, that I know. Chris and Andy mentioned it last week, but um, folks talking sports is available on Twitter now, um, streaming across different platforms. And I checked it out um, earlier before I joined and it was working great. So um, be sure to check out the show. Um, we're available wherever, whatever platform you want. Thank you, sir. Andy, you got it. Yeah. Well, first, yeah, like James said, we're on Twitter. I think last time I checked uh, the the first episode that was on Twitter last week, I think it got up to like about 170 something views on Twitter alone. So that, that's a big step right there. And it's been a while since I checked it, but um, for sure they can follow me on Twitter at Aonis underscore five. Be sure to check out Pod Slime Jamma on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever else you listen to your podcast. Dayan uh, and I are going to have the new episode coming up soon. And there's a lot to talk about. So if you want more UH athletics talk, follow us. Thank you very much. And, and small screen for me. I'm Chris Gardner of Houston Round Bar Review, HoustonRoundBarReview.com. 
Houston Round Bar Review on YouTube and Instagram. Houston Round Bar Review has been around since 1994, longer than James and Andy have been on this earth. But they are two young men who have bright futures and uh, enjoy having them part of the show. Guys, um, the next time we see each other for an FTS will be 2022. So happy new year to you. And um, thank you very much for tuning in. And hopefully we'll have college games to talk about on the next FTS, courtesy of U of H or somebody, you know, locally. And they will go from there. You guys take care. Hang tight. because I got something to share with y'all off the air. Hang tight. Thank you very much, everybody. Tell your friends about it. And we are looking for more sponsors for the show and new platforms. And with sponsors, we may get some uh, get professor, get college shirts for for the guys, for us. And then get to a point where we can have some merch for our fans. Get that as well. So thank you very much for everybody. See you next week. Take care.